This is Listen Up, Home Buyers, the only podcast offering home buying advice and tips from true buyer agents. And now, here's your host, Victoria Ray Henderson. Now, today's guests are Glenford and Yvonne Blanc. They are principals of Prospects Home Inspection Company, which is local to the Baltimore, Washington, D.C. area. And I would like to add that they have won the Angie's List Super Service Award for eight years in a row. So congratulations, Glenn and Yvonne. Thank you so much for joining me, you guys. Thanks for the invitation. Absolutely. Today, I wanted to focus on something that comes up all the time. Of course, many things come up during the home inspection uh, that we we could cover, and we probably will. Um, But today, mostly about radon. Um, Last month, the EPA designates January as Radon um, National Awareness Month. And I just wanted to talk to you two specifically about your thoughts on it and just take it away because it is a major concern for all home buyers. You know, the first leading cause of lung cancer in the country after smoking. So want to get the word out to buyers about what it is. Sure. Want to go first? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the, um, there's a general misconception that only certain types of homes have radon, uh, which is completely, which is not true. I know. Uh, Oftentimes people say, well, it doesn't have a basement, so radon should not be a problem. No, that's not quite the case. You know, it's a function of where the house sits, what is below the house, the rocks, the water, uh, because this comes up out of the soil, comes through water, and it enters the home through cracks in the foundation and, you know, through water in different ways. And so um, depending on how the house is built, then the radon gases will get trapped in the house, cannot escape, and the radon gases rise over time. So just so. Um, let's tell everybody, radon is a radioactive gas. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, naturally occurring, I think it's when uranium breaks down, correct? Yep, that's true. Um, and so, so that could happen, as you point out very you know, clearly, um, it could happen in any kind of a building and it doesn't matter um, where you are. There are certain areas that seem to have more of it, but uh, you know, it, is, it is really important for everybody all over the country. Yeah, I think the key thing in, in dealing with radon is knowing that it's not something that you can see or something that you can smell. So the only way to find out what your level of radon is, is to get it tested. And to also know that it exists in all homes, just like we were saying, because it exists in the soil and it also exists in water. So understanding what the level is will allow you to be better able to either fix your home to get the radon out of your home and to be more comfortable living in your home, knowing that you're not breathing in radon each and every day for long periods of time and that the levels are very high because it's that length of time and those high levels that equate to the exposure of potentially um, getting lung cancer. It is the uh, first leading cause of lung cancer in non-smokers in the country. So you know, Yvonne, can you can you talk about what you mean by it exists in water? Because that is something that um, a lot of people may not really quite understand. Yeah, radon, being a gas, it's also it can transfer through water. I'm actually doing a course on that now. But what happens is that radon can get trapped in air bubbles. And being, being that the bubbles are, are a gas, you know, with the air inside of it, radon is trapped inside of there. So if it has no way to escape, then it just exists in the home. So there's two different types of tests. You can get a radon and air test, and you can get a radon and water test. Right now, our company just does radon and air testing, 
but we're looking at ways that we can provide that to um, potential homeowners by, by being able to test for radon in water. Yeah. So walk me through um, how you, at Prospects, how you, you test for radon. What, what are the steps that uh, happen there? Well, there's different types of um, testing um, machines that you can use. There's, most people are familiar with charcoal testing or charcoal canisters. And those are used, we use a continuous radon monitor. And what happens, the monitor isn't electric, so it has to be plugged in or used um, a battery, uh, battery operated machine. And it stays in the home for a minimum of 48 hours. During that time, the monitor is detecting on an hourly basis what the levels of radon are. And then it calculates what the averages are. And that's what we use to determine whether the levels of radon are high in the home. The reason we don't use the charcoal canister uh, is because one, one the, the uh, has to be sent to a lab, um, and two, you have to maintain the um, charcoal canisters in a controlled environment from the time that it it's put in place, leaves your possession, travels through the mail, gets to the lab, opened up. All of that has to be controlled in order for you to ensure that you have a reliable result at the end of the day. Um, and so, fewer and fewer companies do that use that method yeah. um, and that's why we use an, an electronic monitor yeah. which yeah. Um, where you don't have those issues there's no lab involved it's yeah. programmed yeah. we download the results to our computers and we can tell you what the what the results are in a matter of hours as opposed yeah. to waiting yeah. several days when i've been with inspectors these uh radon measuring devices are about like this big they go into the lowest part of the house um, I, I know that your, your people have set up a little sign that says radon testing, you know, <laughs> um, which is good. And, um, and, and I know that when you come back and you do the measurements, you're measuring what's called Pico Curies. Can you, can you talk about what numbers are in the, in the safe ranges and the not safe ranges? Yeah, basically the, the, what we consider safe ranges are anything below 2.0 would be ideal. Um, that's how it's measured, 2.0, 2.1, 3.1, things like that. Anything above 4.0 and above when you're dealing with a real estate transaction or purchasing a home is the measurement that they use to determine whether you need to go ahead and do what they call abatement or, in other words, fix the home um, to get rid of the radon and, and pull it out of the house. Right. Right. It's important to understand that these are standards that are established by the EPA. This is not something that we've set. We follow the EPA guidelines for testing and measurement. And there's no way we can alter or, or in any way modify the results. The results come straight out of the, out of the um, equipment that we use. And uh, we supply that to the customer in a report which explains in detail what the radon level um, charts mean. We also have have um, explanations of what radon mitigation systems look like, how they're installed. So we've tried to put together a pretty comprehensive report so that uh, you know you know what you know what steps you have to take if your readings turn out to be high. Yeah, we and, and that, uh, from my perspective as an exclusive buyer broker, that's when the client freaks out. You know, <laughs> we, were, <laughs> we were in the house one time and we got a reading back. Yeah. I literally went. 13, no, 13, 13, 
And uh, yeah. they were in full bloom panic because they'd been in the house for half an hour. So yeah, that's a good point. I think it's it's um I think the key thing with with radon, unlike some other things, is knowing when you experience uh, high levels of radon, the key thing is that you can do something about it. You know, if you couldn't do anything about it, then that would be one thing. But knowing that you can get rid of radon is is key to knowing that, you know, once you do that, you can also get test, a test afterward to make sure that the system that's installed is working. And then, you know, you have some peace of mind when that's done. So I know you can't give me hard numbers about how much it costs. Um, I know the cost is uh, determined by the style of the home. I know split levels, at least in my personal experience, sometimes that can be more challenging in terms of the radon mitigation. But in general, and I know it's a big in general, what are we looking at in terms of cost? You know, and in you terms of cost for the testing of the monitor? Well, the testing and then the mitigation. And then the mitigation. For the testing part, you, you estimate about 150 to 200 for the testing, give or take. And then for the mitigation, it really depends because some, some homes now, uh, depending on the location of the home, sometimes they have a pipe installed, which is half the battle of dealing with the abatement. So the last numbers that we ran, we estimate about eight, $900 or more. Mm -hmm. um, and it could be, like I said, that those are kind of round numbers, but that's what we're seeing and yeah. hearing. Right. On the high side, yeah, on the high side, you might see, you know, closer to 2000 because yeah. of the design of the home right. and what it takes for the contractor to get the system installed. And yeah, so and go into that a little bit, because I was in a split level that actually had five levels mm -hmm. uh, and they had high rate on and the process of mitigation was going to be more expensive because yep. of the way the house is laid out. So if you wouldn't mind, yes. because of your architecture background, tell everybody, you know, what is that split level? Why does it, why does that affect the cost? Right. Um, well, let's talk about a, a traditional home, traditional colonial. You've got a, you know, a basement on top of that, you've got your first floor and your second floor. So you have a single basement slab and what the system is trying to do, it's, it is sucking the air out from under the slab. Uh, just just a little, to explain that a little further, um, by sucking the air out from under the slab, you are reducing the air pressure. You're creating a vacuum. And air travels from high pressure to low pressure in an effort to balance. I, I, I equate it to the wind. Okay, the reason it's windy in your part, you know, in anywhere is because somewhere else, the air pressure is low, so that wind is moving towards the low pressure area to raise the pressure. Mm -hmm. And so when you lower the pressure, air pressure under the house, it means that the air in the house goes, exits the house through whatever cracks there are, keeping the radon level out, as opposed to the opposite. If the air pressure under the house is higher, then the air seeps into the house and brings the radon with it. So yeah. the back pump tries to suck air out from the house. Yeah. Okay. So with the colonial, it's pretty simple. One slab, drill one, drill a hole, or use a sump pump or whatever, and you insert your system, and then you go up. That's pretty straightforward. With a split level, you typically have two slabs. Your lowest slab, and then you have your mid-level slab. And you have to get the air up from under both slabs. 
So either you have to put in two systems or you have to put in one system with two pipes which connect to that one system. So it's much more work that's involved. And more money. How your house might be finished you don't want to see, you don't want it in the middle of your living room, but you want it in a, you know, an area where it's not visible. You may have to drill through the foundation, then drill through the outside wall, then find a way to, you know, disguise it, if you will. So it can be a lot more challenging, which can throw up your cost significantly. Yeah. And that fan that you've mentioned, um, I'll mention this because it comes up in the conversations with my, my, my buyers. Uh, it's not a loud fan. It's no, it's very quiet. quiet. Very quiet, and it's, very, it's very quiet. lower than the sound of your uh, exterior compressor on, on your. It's, you know, oh yeah, yeah, it's it's very, very, very quiet. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing you got to keep in mind is because it's electric, electronic, the requirement is there has to be an electrical outlet which you have to plug into. Depending on the dynamics of your home, ideally, that electrical outlet that it's plugged into should be a dedicated outlet, so it cannot accidentally be turned off by a light switch. Right, right. Okay. Or someone else plugging something in, which means you may have to involve an electrician to run a special circuit, which could again, could add to your cost. Yeah, a couple of hundred dollars. Okay. Yeah, sometimes the um, installers will put the fan in the attic. Yeah. Okay, so that way it's out of the way, it's invisible, it's quiet, but then now you got to get power up to your attic. So all of those things start to add to the cost. And the final thing I wanted you to touch on is the uh, measuring device that's on the actual radon pipe. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called a Petri tube. Go ahead and describe to people. So once you've had the radon mitigation system set up, you've got this device that I'm doing this because it looks like a thermometer and it's kind of a. Yep. <laughs> so go ahead and tell them what that is and 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 the significance of it. Yeah, it's it's called a petri tube. Yeah, it's called a petri tube. Basically, it's a U-shaped glass tube with a chemical with a fluid in it that's color code. And basically, all it does when the fan is running, the air pressure causes an imbalance in the liquid that's in the tube. So the two sides of the tube, the liquid will be at different levels. If they're ever equal, it's, it's telling you that your fan is either turned off or your fan is not working. Okay, yeah, that's what Because the fan is often hidden somewhere up in an attic where you never really see it. So it's a way of telling you whether or not your system is actually running. Yeah. Is there anything else that you think consumers need to know, you know, home buyers need to know about this? I know in Montgomery County, Maryland, and this podcast goes out all over the country and really all over the world. But in Montgomery County, Maryland, the home seller is required to provide the buyer with the results of a uh, radon test. They're not required to, to do any kind of mitigation, but at least you know when you're buying a house whether or not the radon levels are high. Um, is there anything else you want to add about the radon testing process or anything else that buyers should know? Yeah, I was I was just talking to a, a potential client about radon, and one of the things that I emphasized to her is that um, to be in the know. And basically, I think a lot of people kind of put that aside, and it's really important to know what's going on in your home. I know a lot of people look at things that they can see, you know, your walls, your panels, your utilities, those those fun things, but it's those things that you can't see, which you should really be more concerned about because you should know that those things that you can't see may or may not be causing, you know, some harm to you or your family. So if that's really important to you, then it would be good for you to know what those levels are within the home. Yeah, and I'd just like to stress again, as we said earlier, all homes have radar, period. You can never get a final house with zero radon. It just doesn't exist. Okay, so, and 
as my, as my wife said earlier, there is a solution to this. Um, and so it's not something you need to panic about. Um, just know that the home has it. The question is how, how high are the values and do I need to install a, a mitigation system? Right. Uh, once you install the system, it's always good to do a, what we might call a clearance test. So you do a test after the system is installed. That way you know that the system is doing the job that it's supposed to do. Exactly. Um, yeah. But, yeah. yeah, from my perspective, you know, because I only work for buyers um, and because it is incredibly difficult right now for buyers to, to find a home at a, at, a, at, a, at a price that they can really you know, be comfortable with. Um, my challenge is um, informing, making sure that they're protected and yet competitive as we try to get a house. So one, of the, one of the things I say is, if you can afford to do the radon test, you know, later, we recommend that you do it, but that you definitely do it. Um, or you do it during the home inspection, but you don't make the offer contingent on the results. You just know that down the road, you're going to have to mitigate. Um, right. Because it's crazy out here trying to find people a home. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and I mean, the, the effects of radon don't happen overnight. Right. You know, if, if it did, I mean, you're walking around, you go to work, you're breathing radon. You, you know, you get on the bus, you're breathing radon. You know, wherever you live right now, you're breathing radon. So don't don't think of it in those terms. Just oh, think of it as long-term <laughs> exposure to high levels. Right. And that's what that's what you're talking about. And so, yeah, it can, it can be fixed. For those of us who are a little bit hypochondriac, you know, just hearing you say it's everywhere, you know, I was thinking of you guys the other day because, um, you know, you have so many uh, home inspections that you do, Glenn, but one time, you know, uh, we, I was with you, my husband and our client, and we were talking about deck safety because I'm transitioning. I want to make sure this is covered because springtime, when people start being able to go outside, especially wherever, you know, of course, in the Southwest, they're already out there, but deck safety is huge. And um, I just want to touch on it, you know, and I think maybe sure. another time we can talk more about it, but sure. I was in a townhouse, you know, with you, we look at that deck and it looked like it was freestanding from, from the back of the house. And um, I don't think people still to this day understand how important it is to, to have a safe deck, especially when you're two stories up from the ground, yep. you, 10, 15 people on that deck, and you you would expect it to hold them, but you know, talk about your experience with that. I know you've written a book about it, and um, so we don't have that much time. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that you, deck safety can take on a whole a whole yeah another whole discussion. But <laughs> one way to look at it is this: okay, your deck is exposed to Mother Nature. Okay, twenty four hours a day, three hundred sixty five days a year. Okay, and it's getting rained on, it's getting snowed on, it's getting, you know, it's getting beaten up. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't take much for something to work its way loose, which could cause you a problem down the road. Um, the requirements for decks have changed tremendously over the past five to 10 years mm -hmm. to make them more sturdy, more independent of the house. Most older decks were, were, that were built depend on the house that they're attached to for their support. Mm -hmm. You're building a deck today, that's no longer the case. They don't want that dependence. Uh, and so 
They've added a lot of brackets and various things. And so things work loose over time. Parts wear out, uh, bolts corrode. If you have the wrong type of bolts, they corrode. Wood rot sets in. And all of those things could lead to a deck, can lead to a deck failure. In fact, I think two years ago, was it two years ago or last year, two decks failed in Montgomery County. And there are thousands and thousands of decks that, that are 20 and 30 years old that are nowhere near today's standards for yeah. deck construction. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I tell everyone, spring's coming. It's the best time to just get, have your deck inspected. Mm -hmm. um, better safe than sorry. So what am I looking for when I want to protect my buyer and I have my untrained eyes? I mean, I've been around you know you enough to know kind of what I'm looking for, but yep. what am I looking for when I walk underneath that deck and I look up? How how can I just help them? I mean, I'm I know about the rusty bolts and all that. What the am first, I? Yeah, the first warning, the first caution is um, is the deck, and I'm going to use the term carefully, freestanding. Meaning, if you think of it like a table, does it have four legs to stand on? Or does it have two legs and the other side of the deck relies on its attachment to the house? That is the old standard for adding decks to old to existing houses. If it does, then the question is, how well is it secured to the side of the house? The fact that there's bolts there is not enough. Okay, what are those bolts attached to it? That's where the weak point is in a lot of these decks. Right. Uh, the other thing you can look for is what they call diagonal bracing. Okay, if it's a deck like I've just described, you've got two posts, you've got a beam, but there isn't a diagonal between the post and the beam going at 45 degrees. Well, you put a couple of people on, this, on that deck and you start swaying left to right, all of a sudden the entire deck starts to sway. Yep. And those diagonal braces are there to prevent the deck from swaying. And this is typical of most decks that are out there. No yeah. diagonal bracing and they're bolted to the side of the house. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so that's a practice that if you're adding a new deck today, you can no longer do that. Yeah. Um, so you look for those, yeah. look for those two things first. Okay. And that'll give you a sense of, okay, we need to get a deck inspection. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the, the other the other test that we do, um, my husband and I, we're, we're not small people. Um, so when we get out on that deck together and start, yep. our, test, <laughs> right. our buyer comes out, they're like, hey, is this supposed to? We're like, no. no. <laughs> and that's why the diagonal bracing is important. It prevents that from happening, you know, and yeah. most decks don't have it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping that you can come on, uh, listen up home buyers uh, in the next couple of months, and we can just focus on deck safety. Sure. And I, and I just wanted to kind of do this as a teaser because it is incredibly important to have a safe deck. I mean, oh, yeah. all you have to do is Google, you know, uh, deck fail and mm -hmm. you will see, sadly, some, some tragic stories. So, um, so this is just a heads up for everybody that we will have Glenford and Yvonne back uh, on Listen Up Home Buyers to talk about decks. But uh, is there anything you'd like to add before we close out? No, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> you guys are good. Um, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Today's guests have been uh, Glenn and Yvonne Blanc. They are the principals of Prospects, and they serve the greater Washington, D.C. and Baltimore area uh, as an inspection company service. So thanks again, you guys. Have a wonderful day. Right, you, you too. Thank you. Right. Bye. You've been listening to Listen Up Home Buyers, the only podcast offering home buying advice and tips from true buyer agents.